Good morning, dear friends. It is Monday, January 30th. We thought it couldn't get much worse, and goodness, it did. After narrowly skating by Abilene Christian, aided by a no-call goaltend by GCU, the Lopes were nowhere to be found, showing up 20 minutes late to their Saturday clash with Tarleton. Is GCU men's basketball in dire straits, or can the embarrassment at Tarleton be considered a throwaway? Thankfully, the men who step on the court every day don't need anyone to decide for them. Still, we have plenty of thoughts on the matter. And with that, a new episode of Win the Whack 2.0 starts now. Big bucket by McMillan for three. Dishes out the block for three. Good! Harrison, up high, put back by the corner. Push back out, Harrison quickly to the block and drives baseline. Barrel, no doubt about it! Oh, Barry, you bounced out of your seat on that. I oh, did with a big right hand. Give the Lopes a three-point advantage. Welcome back to Win the Whack podcast, everybody, where we talk about anything and everything GCU track and field. So GCU's first, <laughs> GCU's first track me is march 17th that'll be the gcu invitational and senior blake bennett from anchorage alaska who's a distance runner is primed for an amazing season this year <laughs> I, I can't even i can't even <laughs> go along with this bro oh man that's so good uh it's like i said man we gotta pick somebody who can win the whack you know what you're right but i i don't know i'm i'm i got faith in the boys we're gonna stay loyal to the boys my my aspirations are low, but I, I still want the best for the for the boys. Absolutely. As we all do, as we all do. Gosh. Not to disrespect our guy Blake Bennett. Because he's gonna have an amazing distance running season. I hope so. But, but even even though we're we're kind of disappointed in our in our basketball boys, we're still a basketball podcast. And neither you or I know anything about distance running. So we're gonna stick with basketball. Thanks. You uh, you ready for some questionable scenarios? Yeah. Alrighty, pick one. You can pick one current ba- uh, college basketball player to join the Lopes for the rest of the season, but you have to speak in Pig Latin until the Lopes season concludes. Who would you pick? Or we continue to suffer. Man, who do I want to join this team? First of all. I simply would not be able to do it. Like I would lose my job if I could only speak in pig Latin. It wouldn't happen, right? Like so, I'm, we might just have to like continue to suffer, right? Okay. Like hypothetically, very, very hypothetically, disappointed. Yeah, unfortunate. Hypothetically, if I was picking someone, man, I have a guy in mind. I just can't remember his name. Arthur Kalula. He's a sophomore. So right now, what I see is he's projected 49th. Uh, he was early, previ- like the beginning of the year, he was like a top 15 pick. I think that guy's crazy. I got Axe, D-E-E-A. Yeah, who? <laughs> Zach Eady <laughs> from Purdue. Uh, okay. Yeah, he, he, so they've played Michigan State twice. One of them was on Sunday. And... uh he has scored a combined 70 points against Michigan State, this most recent one. He, he, I think it's a career high for him, at least season high. So, But he yeah. is he's a massive human being, incredibly skilled around the basket. 
And like I have said in the past, the reason that the Lopes won the whack two years ago was because we had a dominant big man, something we haven't had really since. And I think that really puts us over, over the hump. Yeah. I unfortunately, like I will admit just given how kind of busy my job is and with all the whack basketball, I try to watch, I have seriously probably watched four basketball games this year that are not from the Western athletic conference. I don't blame you at all. I have not had time to watch any, any non whack basketball. I feel you don't have that kind of time. Unfortunately, I primarily, um, but I, I have gotten to Big watch East. Creighton. Yeah, yeah. I, I was Creighton looks good. Um, I've been trying to keep up with the Pac-12 because that's usually the conference that I follow the most outside of the WAC. Yeah. Um, but it, the Pac-12 is kind of boring because Arizona <laughs> and UCLA are sick, and then everyone else is kind of mid. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I don't know. We'll Another see. one. Do you know Sule Boom from Xavier? No. Oh, he's a really good guard. I don't think yeah. I've seen Xavier play once this year. Hey, they're really solid. The they fighting are. Sean Miller's uh, out there. Their in coach, Cincinnati, yeah, Ohio. Sean Miller, the former U of A coach. <laughs> right on. Um, is Jet Howard at Michigan uh, the son of their coach? Juwan? I don't yeah. know, and I doubt it. Really? Could be the same last wrong, name, though. and he goes to Michigan? Dude, Howard is a very common last name. Yeah, but, like, all right. So <laughs> they have the same last name. And, and and he happens he happens to have the same last name as the head coach. Does he look the same as him? I don't know. Let's <laughs> let's, no let's see what Siri has to say. He's projected to go twelfth. Hey Siri, is Jet Howard Juwan Howard's son? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. There you go. My apologies. See, this is how much okay. I follow Michigan basketball. Yeah. I'm well, and they and they kind of um, stink, yeah. so they're not really on the headlines. So right. Yeah. It's kind of, I, I don't like it. Like, I guess this is just the way the world's going. I don't like how many of the top picks are not playing college basketball. They're all in Europe. I th- yeah, I think that just makes like, there's one top, one of the top five right now is playing in the college, is playing NCAA basketball. No, they're playing in the G League. Oh, really? Yeah. That's what you do now, I guess. You just go to the G League or whatever overtime. Doesn't that mean they've is. been drafted already then? No. Really? No. Yeah, you just go play in the G League now. Um, how do you get in the G League if you don't get drafted? You just go play there. Like you just sign a contract. I thought the so, co- like aren't the teams in the G League no. affiliates? Like, kind of. Like, so it's it's of. not like minor league baseball. No, I mean, it, it can be. It can. It's like really complicated. No, no, no. Last like last year, two years ago, there was a guy. There was a top. Uh, one of the top picks. Oh man, hold on. Twenty twenty two NBA draft. One of those one of those top picks. What's his name? Um I want to say one of those guys just like played in the G League and then like gets drafted. Gotcha. That's just what you do. Well, the whole European thing is is the Luka Doncic effect. Well, uh so I mean obviously like everyone's looking at Victor, like Wambignan, like what whatever his name is. Womanyama, nope. that guy is crazy. He's really good. Sure. Hey, it was uh, it was Jalen Green, the Rockets' number two overall pick two years ago. Oh, he got drafted out of G League Ignite. Gotcha. I'm gonna be honest. I do not follow the NBA as much as I follow college basketball. 
I I follow the NBA a little bit, but I'm gonna be honest. I'm I'm pretty much only watching Suns games at this point. Yeah, um, I'm only tuning in when it's the playoffs and the Celtics have a fourth quarter game. Yeah, did you see the? Uh, did you see the Celtics I, Lakers game? I, I did. did uh, well, I didn't the, watch you, it, but I saw what happened. Right. So, what are you on the the the, fa- the non foul call that everyone is very very upset about? Well, the clearly, NBA had to release a statement. Expressing Connor, this is the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. Did you read the NFL referees like official apology? The the NBA referees? Oh my gosh. Yeah. No, I did not. But here's oh the my thing. it was a foul. It was, it was a foul. Oh yeah. Yeah. Sure. But, but also, um yep. <laughs> the fact that the NBA ri- rules are written and the FIBA rules are written for that not to be a travel. As a basketball purist, I hate it, but according to the rules it like it's legal this whole gather step thing really ticks me off if you if you if you follow me on twitter you saw what i said about ours a gather step hater it's so stupid man come on as soon as you have two hands on the ball or a hand under the ball and you have a foot on the floor that is your pivot foot i'm sorry just get over this whole gather step thing these get these guys are athletic enough to where they can get accustomed to the rules being enforced the way they sh- or at least the rules being written the way they should be. But that's just one man's opinion. But I will say this, Pat Beverly's response to that by grabbing the camera oh and showing it to the ref and getting the technical, like as a Celtics fan, super stoked on that. But also that was hilarious. Kendrick I'm- Perkins said something like you can't give him a technical if the like if the call is actually that wrong <laughs> like <laughs> i don't i mean that's that's just kendrick Dude, being kendrick, patrick beverly's still. the worst though so like it's <laughs> fine hey i gotta read you this tweet because it's actually just so like it, it is such a satire like there's no way this is real this Hit is from the it. nba referees account like everyone else referees make mistake we made one at the end of last night's game and that is gut-wrenching for us this play will oh, oh it gets so much worse. This play will weigh heavily and cause sleepless nights as we strive to be the best referees we can be. Dude, I'm just trying to think cares? about I'm just trying to think about an NBA ref just like in a cold sweat at 3 a.m. Just like just like <laughs> ow, Tatum got him on the arm and I didn't call it. <laughs> Dude, all I'm saying is I I don't care anything about the arm slap. As a Celtics fan, you don't want to see them continue that losing streak but it's lebron so i don't i don't care i don't care at all he he it's reacted one of those like things were like and this is this is here's the deal this is the such way a baby this is the way the sport has been for a long time which is there's this unwritten rule that on the final possession of a tight game you don't call a foul like yeah that's that's kind of just like the way it goes it's like if it's a 50 50 colleague is that a foul is it not a foul they're not going to call it which means the refs in that position are are knowing if it's a foul, if it's a close foul, we're not going to call it because that's what you do because you don't you don't let the referees decide the game, and so you yeah, err yeah. on the side of not making the call and letting it go to overtime instead of making an errant call and then costing the game, right? And so that's that's what has always happened. And I don't think this foul was so egregious that it's crazy to me. I think like yeah, it's a foul, but it's also the last play of the game, and so I, I get why they didn't call it. Where would know. where would you compare this to Saints versus Rams NFL playoffs circa 2019? The no call. Because in my I opinion, like, that was I feel like way in the worse. NFL. 
I feel like in the NFL, way more it's egregious. Different. Okay, like in the NFL, it's different. Like in the NFL, penalties are more clearly defined than fouls in basketball. I was having a conversation with one of my friends who doesn't play basketball, and I was like losing my mind trying to explain to him what a foul is. Because like the definition of what a foul is is horrible. Like what's sure. a foul, Connor? Sure, sure. It's uh, an infringement of the rules. Yeah, right. It's like, okay, we're like, since we don't even know what a foul is, it's like ridiculous, right? Um, it's like we know, like, as basketball players will watch, we'll be like, that's a foul, that's not, right? But to like define what a foul is, is like really hard to do. So sure. in football, I feel like when when there's something like that and they they call it or don't call it, it's like, oh yeah, well, that happened, right? So obviously then they missed a call they should have called. Like tonight, um in the Chiefs Bengals name that just ended. They called. Did you watch the end of it? Yeah, he ran out they of called, bounds. Yeah, they, they called that late yeah. hit, and no one's saying like, "Oh, it's a tight game and a t- it's a tight game with the under left." How do you call it? It's like no. Um, actually, Doug Gottlieb said that exact thing. Okay, well then he's wrong and dumb, right? Because it's an obvious. <laughs> because the rules are really clear. Like Mahomes has two feet out of bounds and then gets a hit. It's a late hit. Like there's and no who, like arbitration hey, about. Here's it. the thing. Now Jackson Mahomes gets to go to the Super Bowl and. Dance all over his TikTok and Whatever, man. be really weird. Good for Jackson. So, I'm rooting for the Chiefs, man. Why, dude? All my homies hate the Eagles, bro. And I kind of like the Chiefs. Because they beat the Patriots. Who the, the Eagles? Eagles did in the Super Bowl. Oh, yeah. That that I hated that. I, I actually just don't like the Eagles. I've never really liked the Eagles. Um mm-hmm. I, I was kind of thinking going into this that I'll take the AFC team no matter what. Like I'll take Bengals or Chiefs over either. Niners or Eagles. I just don't like those teams. I don't like I don't like the NFC teams. I'm gonna be honest. I I just don't like I don't rock with NFC teams. I think AFC teams are more fun. I was just hoping that Joey would head into Burrowhead Stadium and take care of business, but no, not bummer, dude. Hey Zach, do you know what time it is? Uh trivia time? It's trivia time. Cool. Okay. Sorry, I was just trying to be really exciting and then I got such a good one. I'm ready. I'm gonna I'm gonna lead us off. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> On Saturday, GCU lost to Tarleton by 19 points. When was the last time GCU lost by 19 points or more? Oh my gosh. Don't tell me you asked the same question. I didn't. Okay, good. All right, let me think about it. Let me think about it. Um, last time they lost by 19 or more. Hmm. It's, it hasn't been this year. Hasn't been this year. No. Um, all right, let me think. I'll give you a hint. It's a conference opponent. See, I'm inclined. All right, so the, the one that's immediately ingrained in my mind because I was looking ahead at this is the Stephen F. Austin loss last year where we got blown out. That is exactly the right answer. That's the one. We lost by like 27 or something. We got like murdered in that game. Yep. On January 20th, 2022, GCU lost at Stephen F. Austin 46 to 71. So that's 25. Yeah, we got smoked in that game. That was that was the only like, because I know there weren't any this year. That was the only one from last year I can think of that was more than 20. There might be more, but that was a tough one. Yes, it was. All right. So what does that uh, what does that put you at record wise? I'm four and one, I think. I missed one. Yeah, I think you're four and one now. Alrighty. Hit me hey, with your be honest. This one, this one might be kind of killer. That's fine. All right. So uh the obviously we know uh GCU began in 1949. Their first season of having a college basketball team was the 4950 season, which makes sense, right? It's the first year of having a school. How many games did GCU have to play um before they got their first win? 
How many losses in a row Jeez, did the dude crew before winning a game? They won that first season, I believe, correct? No. They didn't. Okay. Something no. for some reason I was thinking they went like two and seventeen that year. Uh uh-uh. uh. They were not game winners that year. Shoot. Oh. Rip the and lows. if you know if I'll give you a bonus point if you actually know who they ended up beating, because it's hilarious. <laughs> it's hilarious. Okay. So would it like yeah. Is it is, does it connect to modern day Lopes? Like, uh, maybe kind of, maybe a by, little bit by a by a stretch. Okay, um, I'm guessing. Are, do you want games or years? If you it, well, okay, it's, it's games. It's games. Here's yeah. here's. Can you give me a hint? How many games did they play in the first year? They only played eight games. Eight games. Okay, gotcha. and they went on eight. So. I'll, I'll tell you that. At least they played. Eight. They played sixteen games before they won a game. No, it was uh, it was twelve. Okay, sorry, it was thirteen. So they went zero and eight, and they started out the fifty fifty one season zero and five. Okay, before winning a game against Northern uh, Arizona, Arizona State, Arizona Dang. State College Tempe, which is ASU. And they beat him by 15, and the game was in Prescott, Arizona, for some reason. Okay, on a neutral it, court. It was also their freshman team. So you know how last week we did that, pick a neutral site in the middle of like South Carolina on a blacktop for for uh, Charleston and FAU to play on? Yeah. Prescott was that, that blacktop in the middle of yeah. nowhere, Arizona, for ASU and GCU to play on, and guess who was the better team? It was the Lopes. The Lopes, baby. First ever win. Hey, I'll take a I'll, I'll take a blacktop in Prescott over Antelope Gymnasium. That place is slippery. Might as well be an ice rink. <laughs> College of Charleston lost. Yes, they did. Man. Yes, they did. And so did I. That puts me at four and one overall, and we are tied. Let's head into. I guess what we can call the bright spot of last week, the Abilene Christian game. All right. So uh, keep in mind, like, I think it's it's entirely possible that we have this black cloud over us because of the catastrophe that was the Tarleton game. So when when reflecting on this Abilene game, we will try to not be too negative given the horrific, unspeakable events of Saturday night. Um, this was a classic. So, like, we were joking about this on Twitter. This was a classic blow my kneecaps off game, in that like, it just feels like the Lopes won by the smallest margin possible, like imaginable, right? Shaving um, as many years off your life as yeah, they possibly could. Yeah. Just the most stressful game ever. Um, Chance McMillan had an awesome game. I he was seven for nine, two for three from three, seventeen points. He was really great. Obviously, Rayshon Harrison is always great. Um, but like, gosh, uh, I guess like key things. Um, Yo is back. Yeah. So this was our, our first game having Yo back. So that was that was really big to see. What's funny is I remember in the game feeling like he was owning and he only had four points, but I feel like he was smoking them. He was smoking them on the glass. That's yeah, what he it had was. Seven, seven rebounds. And he was two for three from the field. So he was pretty efficient. Um <clears throat> So, so yeah, YO is back. That's really helpful for our defense. Um, Theoretically. Theoretically. Well, it, it is. It is. Our defense. Yeah, 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 it is. Um, It was really nice for our defense. Um, Kobe Knox got the start. So, so Baker is still out. Uh, we don't know the severity. That, of that was injury, a head injury. 
So Bakers? what I'm what I'm guessing is it's concussion. I think I oh, saw well, something it, it on only, the broadcast about concussion protocol. It's a concussion. It might not be too long then. Yeah, he might be back this week. Honestly. Yeah. Um. So that's promising. And then Blackshear also is still out. So we have, uh, I guess, notable line. The lineup is notable. Yo is back. He's starting in the center. Igehan's kind of getting the share of those backup minutes. No car. Um, and then Knox is our our third starting guard. Yeah. Um, with Harrison and McMillan, and he had a pretty had a pretty quiet game. He was one for five from the field, one for four from three, three points. He kind of filled the, the Josh Baker role. Um, yeah. But Harrison and McMillan both had awesome games. Um, Noah Bauman had a good game off the bench, like just another solid game, three for six from the field, ten points, just like exactly what you need from him off the bench. Mm-hmm. Um, Walter Ellis had a good game. He had also had 10 points, four rebounds off the bench. So, so it was good to see him have a good game. Cause I know he'd been kind of struggling. Um, but, but that's, I guess like, that's just kind of looking at the individuals of our players and what the lineup was like with injuries and why back. Sure. I think actually Ellis, I, I mean, I don't want to give too much credit, but I think if he hadn't made a couple of his, uh, of his three points down the stretch, I think the Lopes could have been in a world of hurt. Um, but uh, he, like you said, he played a really good game and I think was really big in the Lopes success there. He's kind of clutch. Yeah. Even, even against Utah Valley that we lost, he had that really clutch and one late in the game. Well, and honestly too, the, the other big thing that helped the Lopes win was a, was a cheeky little goaltend at the end of the game, but oh yeah, um, Black Hoops Die just posted this. Uh so yeah, the McLaughlin block. Uh, it, it was McMillan, I think. Was it McMillan? Oh okay. yeah, it was. There was there was actually a goaltend, but they didn't call it. Um, was kind of a godsend because I I thought in real time too that that would have been a that that see, was a goaltend. See, but... in real time, I didn't even I didn't even think of it. It wasn't until the next day when I saw it on. Uh, hmm on whack hoops digest i i remember i was really excited because so he he blocks it it's a goaltend we like it looks like a goaltend to me and the ball goes out of bounds so i was like oh like the ball goes out of bounds they're going to review it right sure um, sure but then um abilene christian just like hustled like they hustled to inbound it and they didn't have any timeouts left i think yeah they called it well they would have called a timeout had they had any left because right, you want right. to be able to drop a nice little play yeah and i think that would have put them in a position to recognize how much time was left on the clock unless they intentionally shot that last shot with the hope of maybe getting a putback because there were 2.6 or 2.7 seconds on the clock when it was inbounded and buddy just threw up a prayer not even a good look at the basket granted they did get another look afterwards but it's 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 a question of are you looking for or expecting a putback or are you wanting to get the best absolute shot you can at the end of the game to give yourself give yourself a chance to win or tie right and it was not the latter in their case they just threw Mm -hmm. up a prayer so so that was i guess like not great execution by them um and then we got away with the goaltending call and we snuck out of there with a two-point win let's be honest zach though that was really close oh yeah it was was a bang bang play and they didn't have timeouts and they hurried to get it in. So the rest didn't have time to look at it. But like, yeah. I think, and there's like, there's negative things we can say about this game, but like, I think the whack is really hard. Everyone's good at defending home court. Any road win is a good road win. So like we can say like, Oh, we're a lot better than Abilene. We should have won by more than two. Okay. That's probably true. A road win is a road win. And and, and I'm content with that. I'm looking back on, on that day. What was that Thursday? Thursday. Yeah. I don't know why I always want to go and look back at my tweets during games and 
just proclaim them to everybody on the podcast. But if you don't follow me, I guess this is news to everybody who isn't following me. Um, 39 minutes and 59 seconds of wanting to blow my kneecaps off. And then <laughs> the, the picture, like the meme, where it's like the the guy who's battered and bruised. He's wearing a GCU hat. Stop giving me your toughest battles. And then it's Jesus. <laughs> Bro, you say this every game day. And honestly, that's what I was saying on Saturday. So, yeah, man. The good news is we took an eight and one team, or sorry, a team who is eight and one at home, and we made them eight and two at home. So that was, that was, that was good. No, it was, was really big. And I mean, the, the key stat is one and oh, we won the game. And they're good. Like we said, yeah. uh, the thing about the whack that's so hard is all of these middle in the middle of the pack teams are good enough to defend at home, right? So, like, when you look at that, like, seven through like honestly like seriously ever like everyone but new mexico state probably because they're just tragedy seven through 12 at home can win they can beat those top those top teams and that's yeah. like that's what we're seeing so abilene barely beat southern utah by two or sorry lost to southern utah by two and lost to us by two and those are only two home losses so like two two like top like top teams in the whack and that's it like that's all they've lost at home this year so so they're pretty good I, I i don't know like we'll see and i think tarleton's kind of the same way and we'll get into that later but like tarleton's undefeated at home they beat southern utah at home too obviously like we got completely blown out in that game so like that felt bad but like splitting a splitting a road trip this year i think like doesn't affect like doesn't hurt me that badly uh as far as i don't really feel badly but it's i think the way we lost to tarleton that that does but we'll we'll get to that i don't have any plays of the game this week just because I was really in in my in my moods during the game, no, you're good. That was that was the most <laughs> stressful. Seriously, like I know we say this every game. That Abilene Christian game in particular, I I did feel way more like probably the most stressed of any game this year, just because it literally it really did feel like it really did feel like it was a one possession game for thirty minutes, like exactly. of real time, exactly. like not of like game time, but like of the last thirty minutes, like humanity time of watching that game is like a one possession game and it was so stressful and there were no points of stress relief quite literally not a single ounce of like my stress being relieved until like the final whistle and that's why like it was perfectly fits that 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 wanting to blow like, my knee wanting to blow my kneecaps off. off and then it's like oh and then like the the heave doesn't go and it's like all right lopes one <laughs> gosh the, the way i really stressful yeah you know this but the way i typically will pick the play of the game is i will send you the the timestamp during the game of like supposed play of the game happens um but like like i said i was so stressed i was not enjoying myself at all that was a point really where i did game. just not want to text anything to you and i nothing really caught my eye when it came to play of the game i guess you could say the play like the actual play of the game was the chance mcmillan goaltend because that's yeah. what everybody's talking about or was talking about um but we don't need to pull up any any audio for that or, or break it down. It's just the matter. The ball was just slightly on its way down when he hit it. But honestly, when you watch that thing, that ball was never going to get above the rim. It yeah. was going to hit the side of the rim and just so he could have just let that thing go and it would have probably gone out of bounds. So do yeah. you want to pick a player of the game? Yeah, I, I got to say it's Chance McMillan. I think, um, like we yeah. said, it, it can always be Rayshon Harrison. But Chance McMillan really stepped into his role. 
He was really efficient. Um, seven from nine from the field, 17 points, two for three from three. Um, and I thought his defense was really good. Yeah, no, he he had a really solid game. I believe that was his highest scoring game of his career, correct? Yeah, it might be. 17. Um, yeah. No, he had a really solid performance, so proud of chance. He also hit one of those. He hit the front end of the uh, of the bonus shots at the end of the game, yeah. so there was a little bit of redemption for him from the uh, Utah Utah Valley game. So that was good for him. And then he got the big play at the end to, to block the shot that was going to hit the side of him. So yeah, that's all I have for the Abilene Christian game. I have one thing, not not particularly for either game, but just just in general that I'm I'm wondering about, and I think yeah. it's interesting. Um, this is like I, this is a question I have for you. Okay, do you think that Rayshon Harrison is a foul merchant? Do you mean he only plays well when he's at the line making free throws? No, I mean he plays to draw the foul. Oh, okay. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think so too. I, I don't know that's, that it's a that's bad not thing. a bad thing because yeah. he's he's drawing the fouls and oftentimes he's getting the and ones. So the, I, I would not say that's a bad thing. I think like obviously whack announcers are such homers and they like really don't have any idea about any team other than themselves. But every team we play has started to say that because like that's the narrative going around is like when they think of Rayshon Harrison, they think like, yeah, he's going to score a bunch and he's going to shoot a bunch of free throws. And like, that's true. Both of those things are true. He's yeah, going to score a bunch. He is going to shoot a bunch thing. of free throws. So yeah, I mean, like he shot 13 free throws against Abilene Christian on Thursday, nine free throws on Saturday against Tarleton. It it seems like it seems like he shoots a lot of free throws. Um, I, I it seems like he plays to draw the foul, but um, I think that like if you can't stay, also, yeah, if you can't stay disciplined against reps. him and not foul him, then why are we damning him for? Right for wanting to draw a foul. Wack also has the softest refs in the NCAA. That's true, and you um, can tell because of how many teams have a really high free throw attempts to uh, field goal. The Wack, the Wack is a conference in conference games have actually have the highest average, both total number of free throw shot and average free throw shot per game. Wack is number one. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. No, because the Wack refs cannot handle. Uh, it. Yeah, they don't want a basketball game to be put. And I say that jokingly, but uh. There's a Connor Hope, I think is his name. He's like a West Coast basketball guy. So he covers like, you know, like the WAC and the West Coast Conference, the Pac-12 and whatnot. And okay. uh, he's, he 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 posted that as like WAC refs allow, or like the most free throws are shot in the WAC, both like per game in total. And I said like, yeah, WAC refs don't want a basketball game to be played. And like realistically, a lot of the games we've seen this year that are close, that's right. At, you know, every possession is going to be a foul and it's just going to be a free throw shooting contest. And that kind of sucks. But um Rayshon Harrison is adapted to that and he's yeah. he's he's drawn a lot of fouls and he's shooting a lot of free throws. Let me be devil's advocate here. Is it the refs being scared of contact or is it whack players not being very disciplined at the rack? It is ref refs being scared of contact. Um and my my key point, my key example on this is Sam Houston State because I said this actually like Going back to like, I think our very first episode, I brought their Nevada up, and it's game just been a fact the whole way, which is, yeah, it was the Nevada game. But even like, remember that this team beat Oklahoma and Utah. And, and what happens is Sam Houston plays really physical. They just play really physical. And when they're playing big 12 and pack 12 teams, that works fine. Even in the Seattle game that they won, they gave up 25 free throws in the UTRGV game, UTRG shot. 
31 free throws against them, right? So like the Wackers just just call the game way tighter than we're seeing. It was in that Nevada game was a perfect example, right? Where like they lost because they gave up a million free throws. If I seriously, if we had big 12 refs, I think Sam Houston would be undefeated. I, I can't argue against that, honestly. Like, so I, I think like the, we're not allowed to play basketball and Ray Harrison has, has acknowledged and adapted to the way that the whack is, which is everything's a foul. And so, yeah, shoots a lot of free throws. And I guess like, well, maybe the ref should generally speaking, call less fouls. But I, I do. I mean, I think you're right in the sense that there are a lot of like undisciplined defensive plays. And I think sometimes we know like, well, they're just going to call a foul. So what's the point? But yeah, I think the refs are a little more whistle happy than in other conferences. So I guess my question is then why is it that Rayshon Harrison is the only guy on the Lopes that is able to take advantage of that because we have yeah. we have guards that can attack chance mcmillan does a good job but he attacks the rim pretty decently he's a little bit too dribble happy in my opinion but he does get downhill at a decent yeah. rate i would say we do not attack closeouts very well because we i feel like we don't create closeouts very well mm-hmm. but if you're attacking a closeout that that should be that should be a field day for teams in the whack because you attack a long closeout, they're more likely to foul or at least do something yeah. that appears to be a foul and have the refs be blowing the whistle for it. And who knows? You'd be in the bonus okay, five, 13 minutes left in the half. Just a, just a Chance McMillan stat. This weekend between the two games, Chance McMillan took 19 shots. Okay. With those 19 shots, he shot four free throws. Ray Harrison, on the other hand, 18 shots and shot 22 free throws. <laughs> So one less shot and 18 more free throws. You Given said, the you way said, Chance McMillan plays, that's crazy. You said just on Saturday? That's a combination of the weekend. Really? So Chance McMillan scored, I don't know how many points he scored in Chance the- McMillan took 19 shots between the two games. Yeah, and so he was averaging more than a point per shot. Because he yeah, had 17 and, and- in the in the um, Abilene Christian game. And then I know that he scored the first eight points for the Lopes in the Tarleton game. Did he? Yeah. He had nine points in the Charlton game. Yeah. <laughs> we scored the first eight and only had one more. Yeah. Um <laughs> that's rough. But this, still scored more than yeah, one point the, per, per shot. So right. Um, but yeah, so like given chances play style, you'd think he'd be getting to the line more. I think I think you're right. I, I don't I wonder why that is. Maybe that's something to keep an eye on. Yeah. I, like I was saying, I don't think the lopes create closeouts very well, and that's kind of the problem. The question is how do you start creating long closeouts for the defense? Mm. I don't have the answer for that, but yeah, what I do know is the offense is hard to watch, and we'll get into that with oh, the Tarleton game. We know exactly why. <laughs> Does that mean you're ready to hop into the Tarleton game? I am. All right, let's chat Saturday. Yeah, Saturday was a nightmare. It was just really bad. Like honestly, hey, I know we like this is our like job, but like I'd be content to just leave it at that. Saturday was a nightmare. It was it was the perfect storm of like everything imaginable that could have gone wrong went wrong. We shot terribly. Um, I think we were like 40%. Yeah, 42% from the field, which isn't great. We were 40% from three, which actually is great. So that's kind of funny. Ray Harrison had a pretty bad shooting night, two for eight. McMillan was four for 10. So not particularly great there. We shot 66% from the free throw line, which again is not super great. We allowed 12 offensive rebounds. Um, not just, we not just offensive rebounds, but like they, they had 34 rebounds to our 18. Mm-hmm. 18 yep. rebounds, dude. Yeah, we got then, outplayed so hard. Yeah, they like shot 61% from the field. 61% from the field. And then 58.3 from three-pointer. They absolutely worked Holy us. Holy cow. Um, they had a game plan 
they had a game plan to stop us on defense and it worked really well. Everybody and, should have this game plan, by the way. And our defense. Oh, yeah. Because we've known it for a long time. Yeah. We've we've known I, it for a long time. Let me let me like, show I, let me yeah. let me share a clip of Zach saying what ha- what was gonna happen against Utah Valley is exactly what happened against Tarleton. McLaughlin's gonna set that high screen for Baker, and Baker is going to try to dribble to the top of the key, and McLaughlin's man is going to hedge that screen, and Baker is going to have to take another two steps back and is then gonna be 30 feet from the basket. Yeah. And then he's gonna dribble handoff to Chance McMillan, and Chance McMillan's gonna dribble between his legs 17 times and do the exact same thing that Baker just did and dribble handoff to Harrison, and then there's gonna be four seconds on the shot clock. That exact play that I just said will happen at least five times in this game. And that's like, that's my worst nightmare is uh, <laughs> they're just, they're just going to run us off the line. They're going to hedge screens. We're not going to be able to drive and it's going to be really ugly. We just can't deal with like the big man hedging a ball screen. Um, So I think like what's supposed to happen there. And it, like, again, like this is just hard. What's supposed to happen there is if the big man hedges that screen, your big man should just immediately slip. Yeah, but then but then the nightmare you have to deal with is trying to make that entry pass over the big man or around the big man. And that's where we are turnover machines. Um, So I guess like that's hard. Um, But honestly, like we saw in the non-conference, we saw a lot of teams doing that to us. And it was really like bad. Mm -hmm. And well, here's here's what I have to say is the Abilene Christian game. There was they weren't hedging. It wasn't a sorry. It wasn't a traditional hedge. They were blitzing hard, so they had both the person coming off of the screener and the ball handler's guard coming up and just pestering the heck out of them. In the in the Tarleton game, it was more of a traditional hedge and recover, Mm -hmm. where they just had our guards. It could have been Ray Sean Harrison. It could have been Chance McMillan. You know, all of them were doing that. I, I think Kobe, sorry, Kobe Knox got one hedge and recover, but he didn't turn the ball over. However, when when Ray Sean Harrison and Chance McMillan both had multiple turnovers off the hedge and recover, which primarily led to layups on the other end of the floor in transition, that's when, and it's like when we were tied like, six six or maybe it was six to eight or something like that. It's pretty close early on. But once we started turning the ball over on the hedge and recover, and it looked like we were just wetting our pants when they came out on us, that's when the game got out of hand. Yeah. We went we went seven minutes without scoring a single point. And our first point was from the free throw line after that seven minute stretch. I mean their defense shut us down, but I think there's a bigger issue and I think that's that we we just played discouraged. Like we did not the energy, the energy, the effort was not there. Um, we this Lopes team is known to start slow. So when I saw that, like we were down double digits early in the first half, I actually didn't get too concerned because I thought, like, yeah, like we just do that a lot, and it's annoying, and we shouldn't, but we do that a lot, and like so, it's okay. Um, in fact, I tweeted at a half when we were down like twenty four. I said, like, I am live betting the Lopes to cover the spread because they're gonna they're what gonna come the, back and what was the three. live spread at that point? Eleven. When they were down by twenty four, the, the live spread was eleven. And I thought like the Lopes do this all the time. Yeah, they're gonna cover eleven, no problem. Um so whoops. 
but you and I um, were on different different mindsets because at this, the point this is in... like the first time seriously that I've seen the Lopes do this and that, like when we get down like this usually we have some fight to come back in the game I've never seen us just like lie down and die like this this was really discouraging well frankly the second half defensively was really bad I think what happened in the first half was not so much our defense lacking it was our offense turning their good defense into good offense so like i said when the hedge and recover turned into turnovers it turned into easy buckets on the other end for them and there's nothing that you can do in a half court setting when the ball is literally behind all of your defend all of your defenders in transition like you can't you can't say our defense was bad in the first half really when in reality it was just a matter of the ball was getting behind us in transition we also got smoked in the paint early on too <sighs> I don't know. That's not how I felt. It might have appeared that way, and that's what the stats might say. I felt the the Lopes held their own for the most part when it came to half court defense. They were they were stingy in the paint. We they were, were not, making it hard for for them to score. Right. So we were not when Andre Gaddy was on the floor. I think I I texted you this and I tweeted it. Uh, he had I want to say nine points five minutes in the game where yes. it was just like he was just absolutely murking us in the paint. However. Sure. He, he had picked three, up three fouls, fouls nine minutes into the game. So he only played 15 minutes because he was in massive tr- foul trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, and even so, like when he was seven for seven from the field, 15 yeah. points in 15 minutes. Like anytime he got the ball, he was just going to absolutely just style on YO in the paint. And that was really like, no, it was ugly. It was really ugly. Fortunately, because of foul trouble, he only played 15 minutes. But like, imagine if he was, he went seven for seven. Sure. Imagine like if he wasn't in foul trouble, he could have scored 30 points. He yeah. was like at no point ever was YO in control of that 1v1 matchup. And the help defense was just not there. And when it was there, uh, they shot 58% from three. So like sometimes you just lose. And that's what yeah. this was like. We just lose. Well, Tarleton was incredibly fast, both on offense and on defense. And when I say that the Lopes defense wasn't bad, I'm just talking the first half. I honestly did not think that they were bad in the first half. What I was disappointed was with the second half because we were back into at least a decent mm-hmm. scoring rhythm in the second yeah. half. It took a little bit, but we were into a decent scoring rhythm into the second half. And all we were able to chip away at that 24-point halftime lead was five points. We outscored them by five points in a half when they beat us by 24 in the first. And and we're talking about Tarleton freaking state. They just moved up from division two last year. Granted, they were undefeated at home. Granted, right, they're a fast team, but you cannot, you cannot just let a team beat the tar out of you like that. My other point here is I knew that this was not going to be a comeback. So, so when I said that you and I were on a different mindset in this game, you said you were live betting the Lopes money line or whatever, where you said what it was like 11 and a half at half cover 11. Yeah. See, I, I had no, I had no hope and you want to know why it was. Why? I didn't lose hope when, when, when YO got the, got the charge called against him under the basket. I didn't lose hope when Bryce drew got the technical. I lost hope when we had nine players on the court on the far side of the basket, a kick out to Walter Ellis, the only person on the near side of the court in the corner for three and buddy rimmed it, like just hit the front of the rim. If Walter Ellis, who is, as we know, a very, very, very good three point shooter 
how to spot up, just kick out three, just hits the front of the rim. That's when I was like, yeah, we're there's no way we're climbing back into this one. And guess what? I was right. Wild. So just before, hours before the game, uh, I had a conversation on Twitter. So like part of uh, I post the spread every for every whack game I've been I've been posting the spread. And I I said the, before this game, the Lopes would cover. It was a small spread. I think it was like three and a half. So I said, the Lopes will win by three and a half. Um, someone someone replied. Someone tagged me in Wacoob's digest and says, uh, is there any scenario in which the Lopes don't embarrass the Billy G's, which I, I guess is Tarleton. I don't know. By more than two they're, and a half. They're the Jackson's. He says blasphemous line. Chance McMillan is my dad, and I thought, I thought, which is like that's just hilarious. This is the guy but, that jinxed us. <laughs> you know, this guy, this guy isn't even a low fan. This guy was absolutely, he was absolutely. It's funny because he was like absolutely murking me in my DMs for my Seattle U take, and then or not in the DMs, like he was like just going at me about something. We had a huge argument, and then he tweeted Wacoob's Digest about, like, betting advice, and the Wacoob's Digest just redirected him back to me right after we had this huge argument. Wait, was this the like, Red red Sea? No, no, no this is a whatever, different guy. Uh, I've just been guy. getting into it on Twitter. People do not like me, but that's fine. <laughs> um, So so now he, like, he added me with this, and my response to him, this is, like, keep in mind, like, two hours before the game, I said, for what it's worth, Tarleton's 10-0 and at home, so yes. this team is undefeated at home, and uh, their biggest win at home is against Southern Utah, who at the time was number 116. Yeah. And GCU is number 107. So I thought if they're undefeated at home and they beat Southern Utah at home. And I think Southern Utah is pretty comparable to GCU. So Tarleton beating us wouldn't be that surprising. Uh, I said um, GCU should win, but I, it wouldn't be super surprising if we lost. And his response was, for what it's worth, Tarleton stinks. And then they went on to beat us by a billion. They what only won by nine. Wait, who was this? Who? What's this guy's I'll name? I'll just I'll send you the tweet. Um, sweaty Steve five thousand. I can't say his actual name because no, reasons. that's okay. Hey, sweaty <laughs> Steve. You say reasons. Hey, no, like, sweaty I, yeah. Steve. We need to uh, we need to find this guy and burn him at the stake. <laughs> Dude, I love this guy. Yeah, for what it's enough. worth, Tarleton um, stinks. Okay, well, for what it's worth, GC was also terrible. So. Whatever he was, he was in that thread harassing me about the, um, oh man, whatever we're talking to that red zone guy about. Yeah, yeah. He was giving me a hard time. Um, oh, we're I was I was having an argument with him about fan atmospheres. Someone said that. All right, so everyone was complaining about the Stephen F. Austin fan base, which we'll talk about. Which is like they had a Thursday or Wednesday game, and there were like three people there, and it was kind of a nightmare. Um, and a lot of people were asking questions, which is like, how is how is this team like their gym is awesome. Their team is really good. How is no one going to their games? And so like it wasn't like like roasting SFA. It was genuinely like how like why are people not going to these games? Yeah. Um, and so someone said, let's be honest, the GCU Havoc is the only whack team with an inkling of a home game atmosphere. Um, and then I responded with Cal Baptist. Cal yeah, that's that's what I said. And then this guy, Sweaty Steve, replied and said, "If you're counting fraud atmospheres, then maybe NMSU and all the Utah schools have true fan at- atmospheres, not bogus fests." <laughs> Jeez, Sweaty Steve needs to get blocked. Dude, I think this guy, this guy, yeah, I was like, I was like, okay. Um, so we had a little <laughs> argument about that, and then. And then he tagged me for gambling advice. So uh, with there that being said, I, I was wrong about that one. Like I said, I mean, Tarleton's 10-0 at home. They beat Southern Utah. Obviously, they didn't beat the brakes off them like they did to us because we kind of gave up, which is really discouraging. But, like, I don't know. Like, should I be discouraged? How discouraged should I be about this Tarleton loss? I'm not 
necessarily discouraged that we lost. I'm discouraged that we like absolutely got embarrassed and it seems like didn't really give a lot of effort and just, we got exposed. Like we got exposed really badly. Yeah. The nice thing about it was not that not that we want to take any consolation in a 19 point loss at Tarleton, but coach Drew was really honest and disappointed in his guys. He, and, and you know, he, he he said one through five, they did not perform defensively. And I think he was referring to the second half there. Certainly for the type of defense you guys have played for the past three seasons, uh, this is far from that. 42 paint points. And it wasn't just one thing, right? It was the dribble drives or the post-ups. It was all five positions. Um, you know, there wasn't one guy on our team I could say, hey, uh, they had a good defensive game because nobody did. And, um, you know, I think we got to get Ivan really acclimated back. You know, he's the one guy that can really solidify our defense. And, and tonight he just, you know, he didn't do a great job at that. You know, hopefully we could practice. You know, hopefully he can give us really um, – um, uh, that that center field guy and really help our defense get back to where it was, you know, a few weeks ago. But then another thing too is Colby Knox was the highest scorer on the team. Mm-hmm. He's a he freshman. Good game. Dude. He was he the only solid, good. Yeah, he had a pretty he had good a solid game. game. We can't have a freshman leading. Like you have to have your leader step up. Yeah, and, and nobody really did. This might have been Harrison's worst game since Blackshire. Like since Blackshire went out and he actually kind of became the main offensive guy. This might have been his worst game. I don't think might have. It absolutely was. Yeah. I think I'm confident in Bryce Drew here. So um, this is where like, this is where coaching really comes into play. Um, the the methodology for coaching here, I, you know, I'm a coach, you're a coach. We, um, so I'm really interested in like good coaching. And I obviously like we spent a lot of time with, with Dan Marley as our coach, who I, we both can agree, I think is not a very good coach. The, and, and what I saw, so what I saw in this interview was really good in, in this, um, Coaching is three things. So, so what you need to do is you need to identify what you need to do. And that's step one. And then step two is identify how you need to do it. Um, and, and I think that like guys like Dan Marley, and this is why a lot of, I think players who become coaches uh, don't actually end up being very good coaches is because Dan Marley was just all about the what, right? Like what do we need? We need to score. We need to get rebounds. We need to not turn the ball over. Right. And so it's like, yeah, but like every bozo on the couch knows we need to score. Yeah. Right. Um, the question is how, right? How do you score? How do you stop turning it over? How do you stop giving up offense rebounds? And what that's the where principles, like, you know, right. And that's where I think like, what would always frustrate me is I always felt like Dan Marley was about the what. And I remember like watching games where like Robert Blumberg would go up for a board and like not box out correctly. And the other guy would get the rebound and Marley would just scream at him, like get an, get an effing rebound. Right. And so it's like, yeah, like he, right. He knows, right. He knows, he knows he's supposed to get a rebound. Right. Yeah. So, so this is where I think like Bryce Drew actually does have a good handle on like, how do we actually, right. So like hedge ball screens are killing us. We'll get around him, get to the hole. Right. It's like, okay, how, right. How? And I think that Bryce Drew is good with the house. And so because of that, I have faith that we, the next time we see this kind of defense, we'll be able to adapt. And maybe not throw like a million ball screens at the top of the key. Yeah, because that, that's just How about not, some off I mean, balls? Right, right. I got a text. I got a text. I got a text. <laughs> Jeez, we're, we're really pulling, pulling deep in the bag for that one. I got a text at 11.30 a.m. on Saturday saying... Win the WAC will have its first foreign correspondence reporter today. This was from what? Jonathan Olson, who now lives in Dallas. He said he and his wife were driving out to Stevensville to watch the Tarleton game. 
I asked or I told him I, I was expecting that you might go. And he was like, yeah, it was only $10 for a ticket at their high school gymnasium, man. And I said, I hope it's a better game than the one in Abilene. He says, yeah, I'm, I'm sure it will be <laughs> little. Tarleton, Tarleton looks pretty trash. <laughs> Gosh, we really got owned by this team. We really did. Hey, and then he sends me a picture when he's at the game and, and he's right. It looks like a high school gym. He says, this gym and campus reminds me of a really well-funded normal Texas high school. He said the overrated chants are getting pretty loud here. And I said, you should start an uneducated chant because nobody has thought the GCU was good since they lost to LMU. Yeah, that's because we're not. But uh, Tarleton's, this is, that was Tarleton's biggest win of the season, like points numbers wise. Like that was their biggest spread of the season. Yeah. And they beat many a teams in the 300s and deep 200s and, and many deep division. So like, sorry, of D1, only including D1 teams. Sure. Biggest sure. one of the season against the D1 team. Biggest marginal like, win. I would margin, say that yeah. that's that Southern Utah win is much bigger. Yeah. Like that's a much better right. result. That's I, better. Yeah. I think, I think Southern Utah is better than GCU. I think so, so too. But um, yeah, I mean, we, we, and again, unfortunately we only play them once and it's on the road. So Yikes. Oh boy. There's we only one team left tough. in the whack that we're undefeated against. Yeah. It's Abilene Christian. It hurts, man. Yeah. It hurts. We didn't um, go two and oh. No. But yeah, it was tough. Um we're just like we kind of have the unstoppable force versus the immovable object next week, which is GCU is the master of splitting this year. And we only <laughs> have one game. <laughs> can't split one game. You can lose one half and win the other though. We can, we probably which, will. Which we did in this last game. Yeah, uh and it's against SFA whom we got kind of worked by on the road. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. Hey, also I'm kind of scared that we're going to rattle off a bunch of losses in a row right now. I maybe I shouldn't be, but like New Mexico State kind of looked like a basketball team at Utah Valley for the first time this year. And like, yeah. so we're primed to play SFA and then New Mexico state and then in Seattle and like lose all three. I, I don't know. I don't think we will, but like we totally could. Um, Dude, we could lose to anybody in this conference. We yeah. could also beat anybody in this conference. Like wh- what of it? <laughs> that's true. That's why like, seriously, that's why like, I, I guess like each of these games, well, incredibly stressful, like they don't matter. They don't matter. All that matters is black Vegas. And I think we can do it. I think if we're healthy, we can win like Vegas. I also think we can lose in the first round. Yeah. Um, just you never know what Lopes team we're going to get. And I, I don't think there's any teams that are so far away that it's like this team can't be beat. I think every team can be beat and every team has showed very evidently that they can be beat. Um, so we'll see. Anyone can do it. So I had a I had a deal that Austin and I made mm-hmm. where if GCU wins the WAC tournament mm-hmm. then we have to go and get a GCU related tattoo. Oh, man. I would like to make a similar deal with you. If GCU loses in the first round of the WAC tournament, are we going to blow our kneecaps live on on the podcast? (laughs) What would that... How? How? Just just a shotgun? (laughs) Dude, I don't know. I mean, like, you can can blow an ACL or you can blow an MCL. Maybe just... I guess I guess the actual term is blow my kneecaps off. So I guess it would have to be with a shotgun. 
I'm saying, like, you want us to shoot ourselves? If GCU loses to 11 seeded Utah Arlington, watch Connor and I shoot ourselves on the next episode of Win the Wag 2.0. <laughs> so it's only if we lose out of the tournament, dude. But only in the first round, okay? Yeah. Well, as of right now, if if Wack Vegas started today, we'd be playing. I don't know. UT Arlington. UT RGV, I think. Aren't we? Aren't, aren't we currently the five seed? Oh, you're right. We are the five seed. We're playing so UT be, Arlington. Yeah, Arlington. So, I feel yeah. good about that. I think we we our need caps would be safe, but not okay. not for much longer. Hey, but I can't wait to have that that this little clip here to play when when we lose out of the oh, first no, round. Please, please no. Uh, I uh, I don't I don't think we should pick a player of the game here. Uh, obviously the, the only guy who performed was Kobe Knox, but mm-hmm. I mean, I don't feel like it's a an appropriate thing to pick a player of the game. Yeah, in was, a game where you lost by nineteen. So right, yeah, yeah, no, that was bad. Um, I don't have anything else to say about Tarleton. That game was a nightmare. It's one of those games that it's like at some point when everything's just going that badly, you just write it off and go next. And I think like that's what it was, and that like. Yeah, like, how discouraged can you be? You know, it's like, yeah, we suck. All right, we get it. We suck. Go next. So it's like, all right. Um, yeah. I know you extent, didn't like. Yeah, no, go ahead. I know that you didn't hear the intro, but my question in the intro was, is GCU men's basketball in dire straits or can the embarrassment at Tarleton be considered a throwaway? It's not a throwaway. It's good. It really affects seating pretty negatively. Oh, massively. But, um, I don't think it matters. Like, it doesn't matter. Um. Because realistically, here's what looking at it. All right. Looking at it realistically, I'm totally fine being the sixth seed. We're not going to drop lower than that. Mm-hmm. But like if I'm the sixth seed and then I have to play Seattle U in the quarterfinals, it's like, oh no. What do you say? Instead of playing, instead of playing SFA or Southern Utah, if we have to play Seattle, oh no. It's yeah, an oh sure. no for me. Right. Sure. Like, that Uh-oh. is really sad. Yikes. Oh shucks! Remember, remember last year Seattle did the same thing they're doing right now. Right, right. Started off conference play like eight and zero, and then the whole like the, all the wheels fell off the bus. Yeah. And I'm not saying that's gonna happen to this team, but uh, well, we'll get into it next episode. But I don't like. I think we've we've said for a long time that Seattle's overrated, and then we watched them get swept on the hardest. I mean, it's the hardest road trip on the WAC. Granted, so like they could totally bounce back, but yeah. like you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens to Seattle, but. So it seems like we are already making our own transition into around the whack before we get to dive deep into it. Um, let me give us a little quick update on the Kimball. Yes, sir. All right. So this week, the Kimball Thursday, January 26th game, Seattle started uh, the week with the Kimball and they conceded it to Sam Houston state after getting thumped 40 to 55 on the road. That was the only game of the week that Sam Houston State played, so they still possess the Kimball. And Zach, please continue on with Around the Whack. Yeah, so a couple of things. Um, obviously, all eyes this weekend were on Seattle. Um, they were they were the undefeated top team in the Whack, sixteen and four, um, sixteen and four overall, seven and zero in conference play, coming into the hardest road trip in the league, which is Sam Houston State, Stephen F. Austin. And so the 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 thing was, um. The thing was this, right? Uh, if Seattle actually wins and, and they 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 split and look good or they win both somehow, then like we will have to like acknowledge, yep, the Seattle U team is actually really good. And if they do what they did, then like maybe they're not so much. We had a similar situation earlier in the year when they were running it down against terrible teams in the non-conference. They played a pretty hard stretch and said, hey, uh, 
I don't think this team's actually that great, but if they succeed against this spread, like against this series of games, and maybe they are, and then they lost three of those four, and then I said, oh, okay, well, they're, they're the team I thought they were. And now the same thing here, which is if they if they manage to win win these games, then I'm wrong, but they lost both and showed me once again, they're the team that I think they are. So uh, not to say Seattle's bad. I think Seattle's pretty good. In fact, I think it's also safe to say at this point, like Seattle's probably better than GCU. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. What yeah. are we doing, right? Yeah, 100%. But, uh, but Seattle's not the best team in this conference. I, I think they're pretty easily the third best team for me. I don't think, I think Utah Valley and Sam Houston are both better. Yeah, 100%. I said I was bringing up my Twitter because I we, we had a lot of interactions with Seattle constituents. Yeah, this here's, I guess here's what, what frustrates me is Seattle's massively overrated. Right? Yeah. This is a team that coming into this week was getting AP votes. They were getting votes for, for the, the coaches AP poll. Top yeah. 25 poll. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. Like they're getting top 25 votes. What are you what are you guys talking about? Seattle Ridiculous. U? Yeah. Um, and so we got into an argument with a Seattle U fan. Um, well, I, it after. started with me saying, this is a joke. They will go 0-2 this week. Guess who was right? Yeah, I think it's not looking good for Seattle use AP votes. Um, the, but even now, like even now, um, we, we were talking about this a little bit before as I was getting this together. Joe Lenardi had Seattle U on the 14 line coming into this week. Seattle U went 0-2 and now they're on the 13 line. So it's like, what are we even playing these games for, right? So I don't know. Uh, after after going on two, he still has them winning the whack and up a seed somehow. So like whatever, man. Um, Lenardi is not... ESPN, right? Yeah, yeah. Andy Katz uh, also has. Uh, sorry, Andy Katz has Utah Valley as a thirteen seed. We're we're not seeing the Sam Houston anymore. I'm gonna just tell you. You asked me this question last week. Um, is Sam Houston dead? And I I vehemently said no. And I I think we're gonna see the storm back now of Sam Houston. I think it started with that Seattle game, which is. They lost the hardest stretch of their of their games. They lost to Utah Valley, which is the really a really hard game. They won in New Mexico State, which was great. They lost in Southern Utah. Okay. They lost to GCU in that in that overtime game, which was kind of a fluke. And now they get to enjoy the spoils of playing all their hard games, right? They have they have a tough, they have three road games in a row against Arlington, Carlton. No, Arlington, UTRGV, and Abilene, who like they could they're actually not projected to lose any more games, according yeah. to Ken Paul. And like they totally they can. Probably, they can, yeah. but they probably shouldn't. Yeah, I can see them finishing on a 12-game winning streak and being a 12 seed. Maybe not a 12. How many losses do they have? They have Three five losses. losses they the, can be yeah. a 12 seed. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they can go uh, 25 and 5. Give them a 12 plus plus the tournament, right? So, like, if they win out and then they win the tournament, I think they're a 12 seed. Um, so, no, I, I don't think they're dead. They've won four in a row, and I think they'll keep winning. I, I think, like we said, this is the best team. They're ranked 62 in Ken Palm, the highest they've been maybe all year. Yeah, by far so, the highest yeah. they've been all year. Um, this team's for real. Um, they had a tough stretch. Uh, but I, I think what this is, this is a testament to the whack, which like we said, um, anyone can lose. Like you can lose. The whack teams are good enough that um, anyone, any whack team can defend at home because they're just that good. I, except I guess New Mexico State is terrible. Um, but they, they don't play at Tarleton. Oh, sorry, they do play at Tarleton. So that'll be an interesting one because Tarleton, like we said, uh, they're they're 11-0 at home now. Um, all of their away games are against like the bottom tier teams. They're only they really only have like their only games that are that are gonna be good are they have at Stephen F. Austin, which is like the rivalry game. That'll be huge. Um, and then they have Southern Utah at home. And then they have a bunch of road games against like the bottom teams. So I don't know. Um we'll see. Ken Mom has them winning out. Um, I think they'll win out. Um, 
but I mean, dude, this is a team's two and two against quad A teams. Yeah. So like they're if they're 25 and five with a two and two record against quad A teams, like that team's a 12 seed. 12 seed 100 percent Yeah. So, got, so I, I think I think we we got I'm willing to admit that I think we got caught up in the moment watching them lose three out of five for that stretch and thought like, oh, they're not as good. I think they are, and the whack is just really good. Yeah. Yeah. It so, it is really good. Yeah. Um, other things to note. So so we, we talked about Sam Houston, which is I still think they're the favorite. Um, obviously they can lose. They're not so good that they are infallible. I mean, they lost at home to GCU who who kind of looks terrible. So um but I think they're the best team. I think Utah Valley is clearly the second best team. And I think Seattle is number three. And then I think Southern Utah is, in my opinion, number four. GCU is currently five and Stephen F. Austin six. But I would say Stephen F. Austin is probably better than us. Yeah. Um, fortunately, we get to figure that out because we play them as our only game next week, which we'll get into later. Um, the other big thing to note uh, is is this. So I, I mentioned last week I, I spotlighted four games. Um the the two Seattle games, which I said were pretty big, at Stephen F. Austin at Sam Houston State. Um, another one was Cal Baptist at mm-hmm. UTRGV, with the reasoning being conference standings determine who makes Black Vegas. And uh, New Mexico State is winless, and there was only one win team, and that was UTRGV. And they had a home game against Cal Baptist that was very winnable. They were seven point dogs in that game. And the guy we were just talking about, I, I forgot his name, Sweaty Steve. Yeah, Sweaty Steve was saying, like, what UT Arlington's a sleeper. They're going to win that game. And I thought, like, yeah, I could see that. So uh, I took UT Arlington to cover seven, and they they won the game outright, um, which means they now have two wins. New Mexico State had a pretty valiant effort, but they lost. And so they are now two games out on 12th place. So, like, they're like the hole is, is getting deeper. So they had a it's good okay. show. They'll pick those two games up against GCU anyway. I know they will. They had <laughs> a good showing at Utah Valley. They only lost by five. They honestly looked really good uh, outside of the first five minutes where they seriously went down. Like they went down 20 points in like five minutes. And then they looked really good after that. It was like 19 to three or something. It was like so horrific. Yikes. They were down so bad. But then after that, they looked really good. So they can maybe bounce back. But like, dude, like their schedule, like, Stephen F. Austin at home, Seattle at home, at GCU, at Cal Baptist. Then they have they have a stretch where they have Abilene at home, UTRGV at home. Maybe they can pick those up. GCU at home, Abilene away, Tarleton away. They're projected to win two games. Um, and that's the home stretch against ACU and UTRGV. Yeah. I I don't know. I just maybe it's because of history, but I just still think this team is good enough that they'll figure it out and they'll they'll make it. But they're two like they are two games back now, so I don't know. I don't know. What do you think? Is New Mexico State going to make Wack Vegas? Yeah, I I think they will. I think it's a matter of what's more likely: they win both games against GCU or they go winless in conference. Well, winning both at GCU. You think so? Is more likely than going winless. Yeah. I mean, dude, they're not going to, like, I really don't think, I mean, I don't know. I guess they lost at home to UT Arlington. The thing Here's the thing is, I, this is, GC was primed to finally win a game yeah. in front of their home crowd against New Mexico State for the first time since you and I were seniors in high school. That's GCU crazy. has not won a game against New Mexico State in front of a home crowd since two 2016 and i just i'd if this team if this slopes team passes that up then 
whatever, man. It's our last chance. We're going to be blowing our kneecaps off. Yeah. Hey, uh, Southern Utah picked up a really massive win against Utah Valley by double digits this week. Big time. Yep. That was a really big win. They look good. Uh, they're pretty much in the driver's seat. They're, they control their own destiny at this point for that fourth uh, buy. And honestly, like if Seattle U keeps skidding, they could hop up into the three seed. Um, they look good. I haven't really gotten, I mean, GCU hasn't played them yet, so I, I haven't gotten to see them a whole lot, but I did watch that Utah Valley game and they just looked awesome. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I think like what we know about the WAC is still true, which is all of these middle middling teams are primed for an upset in WAC Vegas, right? The Tarletons and the Cal Baptists and the Utah Techs of the world, right? They can pull an upset. Um, and the top teams can lose because you just never know. So, so yeah, like anyone, anyone can win Vet Wack Vegas. It's wide open. It's anyone's game, if you will. Um, except for, I guess, New Mexico State, who just is a nightmare. Um, yeah. Who isn't going to believe? You got to believe they're going to turn it around, though. I don't want to. So I'm just going to, yeah, I'm just going to continue to live in ignorant bliss of New Mexico State and the goings on with them. So, so, so you think they're going to make it? What team do you think doesn't make it? Arlington. Really? Well, they're behind them in seeding, and if all it takes is two wins for New Mexico State, I so think you they... have you have Utah Tech, UTRGV, and UT Arlington all at two and seven. Yeah, I got I UT Arlington so for what e- it's worth. Easily the weakest of the bunch, in my opinion. Utah Tech does have UT Arlington does have a home game against Utah Tech. UT Arlington is not projected to win another game. Okay, but here's what's hard. So here's what's hard. New Mexico State's projected to win two games. UT Arlington is not projected to win any. If that happens, UT Arlington has the tiebreak because they won in New Mexico State, and that's the only game these two play. Exactly. So New Mexico State needs three wins, at least. Okay. Which they can totally do. There's a lot sure. of time left, but like I don't know. I I it, just it have feels it feels funny. Right. It feels funny suggesting that the zero and nine team can easily win three out of their last. I'm not saying nine. easily. I'm not saying easily. They're saying battered we'll lobe syndrome. They're going to get I'd love in. for them to not make it because if they make it and they're the 12 seed and we're the five seed, then our kneecaps are getting blown off. Yikes. <laughs> all right. I'm not ready for that. <laughs> all right. Well, that's all we have for this Monday's episode. Thanks for tuning in. We're looking forward to putting together the Wednesday episode and hoping you'll tune in for that one as well. But until then, lopes up. Dishes out the block server. Three. Go! Harrison. Up high. Put back by the corner. Push back on Harrison. Quickly to the block and blocks baseline. Barrel. No doubt about it. Oh, Barry, you bounced out of your seat on that. I never did. With a big right hand, give a loaf of three point advantage. I got a text.